we started a series last week called Walk This Way. And what we're doing, guys, is we're looking at uh, Peter who wrote a couple uh, letters, first and second Peter in the New Testament. Peter was a friend of Jesus, right? He, he was there. He's an eyewitness. He walked with them. He, he did dumb stuff. He, I, I just, I love Peter because I see my own dumbness in him. And so it's, it's a great thing to be able to look at what Peter wrote and help us to understand how do we walk in the way of Jesus. That's the real theme of this book. Before I tell you, before we get more into that though, um, a couple weeks ago I actually got to speak at a high school camp. So it was a high school camp, even though I'm old, right? They let me come still sometimes. And I uh, speak at this high school camp, a couple hundred high schoolers up at Crooked Creek Ranch, it was a young life camp up there, yeah. Um, and so it was a good time, but I had somebody come up to me during the camp because kind of talking about like, what's the core of this whole thing? That God came to earth in the person of Jesus, uh, that our sin has led us away from Jesus, that we've all turned our back on God and walked this way. God's over there. We've walked this way. But Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave. And it's incredible news that I don't have to actually like earn my way to God because Jesus did this. And so we're telling some of that story at camp, and I had this high schooler come up to me. It was so great. The high schooler just said to me, um, that all stuff is just really great, but I just have a question. What, do you, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, that's all great. I understand. I'm hearing all this stuff. Like, someone just tell me what to do, okay? And we want to actually kind of go there a little bit today in these coming weeks, because that's really what Peter is talking about. Last week, Bill did a great job, really, and you'll see this in most of the books of the New Testament. They start with the core message that, that God came to earth because of our sin, died on a cross, uh, rose again, bringing in the kingdom of heaven, uh, and that's the foundation. Bill even poured a little bit of a foundation over here last week. That's, that, is, that is chapter one. And really getting to the, the question that Bill's answering in that is what saves us? What rescues us from us turning our back on God and walking away? That's the, that is the foundation, that it's not us, that it's God who does that. But now Peter's going to turn. He's going to make a turn from what saves us into the question, well, how should I live then? What does this matter for the way I live today and tomorrow? And it really mattered back then. Guys, you got to remember the, the context that Peter's writing this stuff in. Everybody, he's in, he's in like Roman occupied territory and everybody is worshiping Caesar. Everybody is worshiping all these crazy gods. And the Christians are the ones who are saying, actually, we're going to worship Jesus and we're not going to worship Caesar. And Peter's saying, look, if your life isn't any different than everybody else who's around you, nobody's going to believe your message. If your life isn't different than everyone who's around you, don't be surprised when nobody believes your message. I think those words still apply today, don't they? And so we want to get into this. We want to talk about walking this way. As Bill said last week, Peter said in this book, he's gonna, we're going to roll up our sleeves and try to actually 
figure out how do we do. We're, we're trying to get to the answer to this high schooler's question, and many of us have the same question. What do we do? So I want to show you how Peter starts his second chapter. This is unbelievably brilliant. It unbelievably answers the question of what do we do. It is so simple, so easy, so straightforward. I'm going to show you this passage, and we're all going to stand up and leave and get in our cars and go home because it explains it all. You ready? Here's what he says. Boom. Get rid of all evil behavior. Come on, man. Peter, you're killing me. This is, how, this is what we do. Just get rid of all evil behavior. Okay, no problem. You know, Peter was that way. Peter just was like, would throw it at you. Good news. He's going to give us a little bit more than that. But I just laughed this week when I read that and went, oh, gosh, come on, buddy. We're going to need a little bit more than that because I know that that's not going to help me fully get there. But he's going to help us get there. So now let's start, and we're going to look at verse 2 and 3 of the second chapter of 1 Peter, and he's going to help us understand how do we walk this way. Look at, look at uh, verse 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. What we talked about in chapter 1, what saves us, this, that God saves us. We don't do it. We don't work our way there. Otherwise, why did he die? But if you want to experience that then, then we need to crave it. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness, now that you know that he's good and he loves you, cry out for it, crave it, desire it. Guys, he, what he's saying to start is, don't start with technique. We, we love as human beings technique. If you want to write a book that sells, have the first two words in the book say how to. How to. How to. We love technique. If you want people coming to your blog site, five easy ways to. Ten practical steps for. Like that's how we get people interested is I just, my life's too crazy. I just want technique. I just want to know what to do. I want someone to tell me what to do. And Peter is starting this by saying, Resist it. Resist jumping to technique first and instead ask yourself, do I want it? Do I crave it? Like a, like a little baby who's just crying for milk. Little babies don't cry once a week on Sunday morning. You ever notice that? They cry a lot. They cry all the time. They cry like hourly. They're con they're, they, tomorrow morning they'll be crying. Tonight in the middle of the night, they're anything like my kids, they'll be crying. They want spiritual milk. They want to be fed. They want to be connected to God. They have a vision for what their lives could look like. If you want to jump from the foundation around who God is and what he did for you straight to technique, you're missing the step that Peter's saying is, do you want it? You got to crave this and want it. Now, if you want it, and don't go on to the next step, if you're honest, you go, I'm not sure if I really want to, if I really want to move into, does this actually impact my life on a day-to-day -day basis? You got to answer that question first. If you can answer that question, yes, then Peter's going to take us to a next step. If you answer that question, I'm not sure yet, that's okay too. It means to spend some time more in the foundation and saying, what does it mean that Jesus died for me on a cross? What does it mean, this relationship I have with him? And once that relationship, once, once you understand that, then it's like, okay, I want this. I want to move on. But don't skip that step. 
But let me show you now where Peter's going to take us. And, and I'm going to pick it up from verse 4. So check this out. Come to him. Come to him. A living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. So now, this is going to be an interesting kind of time today. Because he, Peter's going to throw kind of some stuff at us that are going to need some teasing out for us to understand. Come to him, a living stone. What does that mean? Uh, a lot of translations say something different here. They say, come to him, a cornerstone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. Come to him, a cornerstone. How does this have to do with walk this way? I want to give you a little ancient building lesson. When, when you see houses being built today or structures being built today, usually they're built in a way where we pour a foundation and then we take two by fours and we'll put a base layer down and then studs start going up and you see the house kind of coming out of the ground that way. That was not necessarily how they did it back then. Usually they're building these buildings out of stone, out of rock, out of bricks. And what they would do is they would go and they would find a perfect brick, a perfect stone, a stone that they can set in the corner of the building that is so perfect that the rest of the building, the rest of the bricks, we can, we can line everything up with that cornerstone and build our house, build our whatever based on that brick. It looked kind of like this, right? You'd have the building, but there's, see that brick down there in the corner. We're going to base everything off of that. All the other bricks are going to be straight or not straight or crooked or whatever based on that cornerstone. If you pull the cornerstone out of the building, whole thing is going to fall down. The first thing that Peter is asking us is, what's your cornerstone? What kind of brick are you putting in the corner of your life? Because you can see in the passage here, he's saying it's just the human tendency to reject this. Rejected by mortals. That's what we do. Is, is, man, if you're like me, we, we choose something else to be the brick. We don't, we don't want Jesus as the brick of our lives, so many of us. Like, we want to put something else that feels more practical <laughs> as the cornerstone of our lives. I want to ask you, have you ever actually made like a choice, like a decision to make Jesus your cornerstone? I can guarantee you this. He will not fill that role by default. He will not force his way into that corner position. Maybe you've been coming to Ascent for a long time, and you're kind of floating around, you're checking out, maybe you've been wounded by the church somehow in some way in the past. Or maybe you're hearing these messages and you're, you're, you're enjoying being around this, but have you ever actually decided, I want to base my life on something that's gonna work. I wanna base my life on something that's stable and solid and right. Guys, so many of us, man, every day it's a fight in my life. I wanna take something else, some other kind of brick and put it in the corner of my life. Take my career, take a relationship, take politics, take achievement, take your grades, Take some friendship that you've got. Some way that you're identifying who you are, we tend to put those things in as the cornerstone of our lives. The problem is 
They got all kinds of cracks in them. And then when we take our life and we think about lining that up, if you're over here, man, this gets troublesome because if the original brick is not worth building on, the whole house is going to be crooked. We got to think every day and ask God every day, God, what am I, have I decided to make you the cornerstone of my life or something else in its place? Well, then he gives us some more thoughts, okay? He says, come to him. Come to him. A living stone. Not a, not a guy who uh, was a nice teacher 2,000 years ago who died. A living stone who rose from the dead, whose spirit still lives, who is wanting to talk to us today, who is inviting us today to take your life and come to him and align it with the cornerstone. Because that's the invitation. The invitation, the way we start to walk this way is we start to say, is my life in line with the life of Jesus? Am I, am I putting my brick in the wall? Am I, am, I, um, am I lining it up against something else or am I lining it up with Jesus? Because, guys, that's, that's how you build a house. That's how you build a wall. That's how you build a life. But here's a question for you. Sounds good. How do we know if we're actually lining up with Jesus. A lot of us, I, guys, I can be the most self-unaware person. I'm just sure of that. How do I know? I, I might tell you, yeah, my life's looking like great with Jesus. And the truth is, it's not. All the other bricks probably see it. But I don't know. It, what's challenging about this is if I'm here and I'm trying to align myself, this perspective, imagine the perspective of the brick. It's kind of hard to tell. And by the way, I noticed there's like a huge vein or something right here on my head. I, I never noticed that before. Until my head's like four feet wide on the screen, then I see it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying though? It, you, you get close. You get the perspective of a brick is actually really tough to tell. If I'm living my life, I'm following God in, the, in, in his footsteps the way that I want to. It feels like we need something that's a little more objective, a little more third party, a little more take a step back and see and help inform where we're actually at. If we're actually in line, if we're like this. How do we know? I want to skip ahead a couple verses here. I want to show you something Peter does. He's actually going to quote a passage from the Old Testament. And he's quoting something from Isaiah. These words that he's going to quote were written like a thousand years before the coming of Jesus, which makes it so cool. So look at, look at what he says in verse 6. It's a quote of Isaiah 28. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. The one who trusts in this as their stone, as their cornerstone, will never be dismayed. And Peter stops there. But actually, 
In the book of Isaiah, there's another verse that I want to show you that I think might help us understand how we get perspective on this. Let me show you the next verse in Isaiah 28. It says this, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. What in the world does that mean? You know, some of you guys are like really handy. I'm not. Um, but if you've built a wall before, you know that having a line to help you figure out, am I actually building it straight or not is right. And, and, I, and I, I feel those of you who are really handy, I feel you judging me right now. I know. I know some of you have noticed this little thing. Yes, I actually accidentally broke the string and just tied some more on. Okay, I get it. But you need a straight line. You need a measuring line. You need something objective that tells you, is my life actually in line with this or not? And what's he say? He says the measuring line is justice. So here's a question for you. Does the life of Jesus, the person that I read about, see about, talk to, does his life and the things he cares about, the things he cries about, the thing that he loves, the things that keep him awake at night as I read the stories and how he interacts with people does that match my life or not? That's the measuring line. Is the heart of Jesus in line with mine? And then he talks about a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? Let me show you. So this is a plumb bob. I didn't know this until this week. A, a plumb bob is actually a, it's just a heavy weighted thing on a string. It's, it's a, this tool is 4,500 years old. This is how they used to, and people still do, measure their, uh, whether or not the wall is actually straight up and, and down, it, whether it's plumb or not. And what you do is you would hang it to something above the wall and then you just release it on down. And gravity, once this stops, gravity is going to show you how to build a straight line if the wall's straight up and down. And so do we take that to our own life? And do we look at it and we say, am I building a wall that is not only in line with Jesus this way, but I don't want to build a tilted wall? And he says the plumb line is righteousness. The plumb line is right living. The plumb line is living out the things that Jesus says, hey, if you, if you want to live a great life, if you want to be in line with where I'm going, this is how we live. Guys, I don't know any way to do this. I don't know any other way to do this than to actually crave, like a little baby, crave time with Jesus. Crave time praying. Crave time letting the Spirit speak into your life. Crave time opening up the Bible and reading in the New and Old Testament about what is it that has this Jesus be the way he is? What does he do? How does he act? How does he respond to certain situations? Instead of me and my little limited perspective, 
I need to look to those things and say, God, speak into my life. Let me know if I'm lined up. You guys would have been so proud of me this week. I actually did this for once, okay? I'll tell you what happened this week. This week, I wanted to get online. I wanted to go on social media, and I wanted to rip Mel Tucker, okay? So Mel Tucker is the coach that left us high and dry. I'm not angry. Last week... And, and just took off, Michigan State, more money, all this stuff. Man, I was like crafting my Twitter message to my 12 followers. They would have loved what I was going to say. So mad. And believe it or not, I picked this up. I picked this up one morning. I just start, I'm reading, and I go, you know what? This Jesus guy doesn't tend to get revenge. This Jesus guy who could have got revenge, he tends not to. Some of us in this, I know the Mel Tucker thing is just a silly example. Some of us in this room, you're plotting revenge right now. Somebody's, somebody's wronged you. Somebody's wronged me. Somebody's, you've you got something serious. And I ain't saying that you shouldn't be angry. But you're, you're harboring these fantasies about getting someone back right now and how you're going to do it. And I wonder if you took the scripture if, if you're talking to God about it, as hard as it is to bring something like that to God and actually have a conversation, to let the Spirit actually look at your life, maybe you'd choose a different path. Maybe some of us, maybe you're married, you're in some kind of relationship, and, you, and, and often how relationships go are two people have an expectation on how we treat each other and when one person isn't loved the way that they expect to be loved, they feel wounded and they take a step in this direction. Notice that? And then this person feels that step in that direction and then they're hurt and what they do in response is they take a step in this direction and then the cycle keeps going until you end up on opposite ends of the spectrum, far apart from each other and then you start to read the words in the New Testament around what, what could it look like if you were the first person to say you're sorry? That doesn't mean that there isn't tough stuff to get worked out. I'm not saying that. But to look at it and seek reconciliation, to seek forgiveness with someone, that's putting the measuring line and a plumb line on your life because it's being informed by what you're seeing in the life of Jesus. Maybe some of us go to work tomorrow morning and you just don't like your boss. Or you're going to go to school and you just don't like your professor or your teacher or whomever. And you're not like involved in all-out mutiny. But you've become a master at passive, aggressive whispering. I'm not going to just do a full attack. But I'm going to whisper and undermine. And, and try to just dig that person. To try to weaken their foundation. And try to see that spread to other people, and then you pick up Matthew chapter 19, and you read Jesus' words about how we manage conflict. Man, and you go, I need to change my life. I want to get, I want to be in line with the cornerstone. And it doesn't just matter for us. So, what I've said so far sounds like just me and Jesus. Such a bigger picture. Such a bigger picture than that. Look at the next verse. 
like living stones. Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. I want you to notice what Peter's saying here. He's not, he doesn't say living stone, singular. Now he's talking, you all, we all are living stones, plural. And we're being built into a house, a place that God is present. And so in that sense, it's not just me and the cornerstone. The way my life is lived is going to impact the next brick in the chain and the next brick and the next brick. And it's going to impact the bricks that go on top too. If the plumb line is off, that next generation is going to end up in a crooked wall. Guys, sometimes we can think, yeah, it's behind closed doors. It's just kind of me and me and Jesus, and I'm not hurting anybody. Is that right? Or if we're off this much here, are we off out here by the time we get down the line? The lives that we lead matters, and that's what Peter's saying. He's saying this to this crew. He's saying, you've got the foundation. God loves you. Died on a cross. You don't have to earn your way there. All our walls are going to be crooked. But God is calling you, asking you, saying, the way we live our life is going to affect other people. Are you in line with the cornerstone? Some of you have experienced this. Some of you, maybe, maybe life has gone like this for you. And you feel like you're this brick right here. You, you've, you've had a life where maybe you have looked up to a pastor, you've looked up to a parent, a grandparent, Bible study leader, somebody in your life you've looked up to, and, and truth be told, they have led you and, and disappointed you. And so now you're down here at the end of the line, far off from the cornerstone, and you're going, I can't even see him anymore. Because there's so much has happened in this chain that to see Jesus clearly is awfully hard. To see Jesus clearly and find the life that he's calling me to is awfully hard at the end of the chain. Because something, so this is how it is. Our lives get crooked in here somehow. And so it's often difficult to see Jesus because all we see are crooked stones in front of us. Peter's got something for you too, right? Peter's got something for us. Peter's gonna help us understand what's the next step we're gonna take with that. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, and then he continues to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? To be a holy priesthood? I've been to one Catholic service in my whole life. When I hear the word priest, I just think this, right? The little collar thing. I, I did have somebody once who found out I lived in the church and they called me a priest. And I just like my jaw dropped. Like, I, I didn't know what to say. Like, I'm like, I don't think that's true. Holy priesthood, though, is the call that's on you. 
The word holy, guys, means just set apart. It, it, it means that as uh, you might think that God doesn't actually see you. If you're at the end of this chain, it's often because you've lived out your spiritual life through somebody else. And maybe you've seen them. God always answers their prayers. They are always just praising Jesus. They're always telling you how much they love God. And you're just like, I don't think that God actually has time for me. Because I see how he has time for you. And that doesn't equal the time I think he has for me. Because I'm not seeing that in my life. And he's saying, no, you're holy. You're set apart. You're known. And you're in this weird way a priest. What does that mean? I don't even, uh, What does it mean to be a priesthood? In the Old Testament, a priest was someone, listen to this, a priest was someone who had direct access to God. A priest would go to God and talk to God and hear from God and receive from God. And then a priest would take that and go back to the people and communicate to the people. A priest was a mediator. A priest was a go-between. But a priest heard from God, heard a message from God, spoke to God, was in relationship with God. Peter is saying that old system is gone No one's a mediator between you and Jesus. To be a priest means to say, if you're this brick, guys, whether we realize it or not, we're here now. Because of what Jesus has done, he's invited you. You are here. You have direct access. You do not have to live your Christian life out through anyone else. God has no grandchildren. He only has kids who know him and have direct access to him. It's time. It's time to take your life and move it here and give a spiritual sacrifice to God. And that spiritual sacrifice is to look at my life and to see if I'm in line with Jesus because the sacrifice I make here is going to impact the next brick in the line and the next brick in the line and so on and the whole house. Here's what I want to make sure you didn't hear today. I don't want you to hear today, gosh, if I let one little chip in my brick, if I let one little sin in my life, then my grandkids are going to be crooked. It's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying what we do matters. How we come in line with Jesus matters not only to the, those who are around you, who look up to you, see you, matters to the people at work who have no concept of Jesus Christ being a cornerstone. It matters. But some of us, too, are probably here, and you're just going, forget getting in line. You know where I'm at? I'm like... I'm like here. I'm half off the table. All it would take is a, and my brick's going. I'm so overwhelmed. I can't, oh my gosh, the guilt I feel, the, the, the pressure of life and the stuff and whether or not I can't see it. Like, here's what I want you to hear today. If that, if that feels like you today, 
This is where the incredible grace of God comes. Every single brick in the wall, the truth is, in the end of the day, is crooked. We're human. We're going to be off. That's what the word sin means, to miss the mark. Everyone has done it. Everyone is off the mark. You're not alone here. And this is where the grace of God, and this is what I want you to remember. If this feels like you, you're about to fall off the edge. I want you to picture his hands. I want you to picture the Spirit of God reaching down and taking hold of you in his grace. That you're crying out, right, like a baby. And he takes you. And he doesn't just set you in line to make sure you're in line. You know what he does with you? He sets you right here and just says, you just need to rest. You just need to trust. You just need to know that I've got you. And I love you. And you're a living stone. And you're my stone. And that's what Jesus is saying to you today. I want to show you a couple questions. I want to ask you some questions. As I do that, we're going to have, actually today, we're going to take communion in here and we're going to have some college students help uh, serve communion today. So these guys are going to get up and move to the different stations while I have you look at this. But I want you to look at these three questions today and I want you to pick one. And I want you to have a conversation with God about one of these three questions. Look at this. Question number one. What is really the cornerstone of your life? Have you, have you settled for a counterfeit? Have you settled for a different stone that you've put in the corner of your life that you're never gonna be able to build a house off that lasts? What's the prime competitor to Jesus as your cornerstone? Could you identify what, what is it that if I, when I'm tempted on the days when he's not, when Jesus is in the cornerstone, what's the prime competitor that you are tempted to put there, that you do put there, that we do put there? What is it? Second question is, which rock are you and where do you need to move right now? Are you here? Are you, are you here? Are you, are you the one that's hanging over the edge over here? Are, are you this guy and you need to move closer to the cornerstone that you've lived your life through other people, other Christians, and now it's time for you to move into that space and have direct access to God? Which, which brick are you in the wall and where do you need to move? And then the third question is, this is tough, are you willing, are you willing to get external input on how and where you can move closer to the cornerstone. Maybe that means you make a decision that I, I'm going to actually start intentionally praying and talking to God about the things in my life where I'm tempted to be offline. I'm going to start getting up and reading the Bible in the morning. Just Maybe I just start with some of the stories of Jesus, and I'm going to notice as I read those what he cares about, how he responds to people. Maybe for you, it's actually that this isn't a solo game, and it's not just you and Jesus, but you're going to actually allow other bricks in your life because this brick down here might actually have perspective on your life with Jesus in a way that you could never get, and you're going to listen to other people about this. What, are you willing, though? Are you willing to allow that external input in your life? And if you are, 
what would it be? We want to take communion now. And while we do, I want, I pray that you have a moment where you're in conversation with God about one of those three questions and you're talking to him about it. And the way we do communion here is night before Jesus died, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. And he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood that is shed for you. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to do that for you. And that's what allows him to be this perfect cornerstone. And so his followers took that and they ate it and they drank it and they celebrated this incredible new promise. And that's why we do that when we're together once a month. We take communion. The way we do it here is you're going to go to a different station. It's an allergy-free station right in the back there. You go to a different station. You're going to pour, take, tear off the bread, and you're going to dip it into that cup. And I want you to say, God, thank you. Thank you for the foundation of your death and your resurrection. And then I want you to think of that one of those questions and have a conversation with God. And as you eat that then, have it be a prayer. Have it be a moment between you and God where you say, God, help me with my next steps. So Lord, we give you thanks that a couple thousand years later, we still have these words that Peter wrote down that are just so amazing to point us to you. So amazing to point us to Jesus. Pray God that as we do this today, maybe there's some of us in this room that for the very first time would say, I want to make you the cornerstone of my life. I pray that God, as we do that, we wouldn't keep that to ourselves. We'd tell somebody. Or God, maybe it's just where we're at in the wall or involving someone else to give us perspective. God, just pray that we experience your grace, your love, and your direction today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, you're going to move.